What's up? What's up? It's so good to see you guys. Everybody's just making those connections, making new friends, seeing old friends. It's so good to have you with us here at Fathom Church. Um, I don't know about y'all. Some of y'all um, who have children um, know what I feel like this morning because this first week of school kicked my booty. Anybody else like know what I'm talking about? Like I'm just, I'm just worn out, and I've seen that in some of your eyes today. But I, I think there's there's a scripture I love to to share in these kind of transitional seasons and, and busyness and and. Two, when we're struggling with sickness or our body's not feeling a hundo, a hundred percent, is uh, even as our bodies are wasting away, our spirit can be renewed uh, every day. And so uh, I'm glad you're here, that we can all be renewed spiritually, be renewed by what God's speaking in our life. And, and I just believe that God has something he wants to share with every single uh, one of us. If you're new here, you're checking out Fathom for just trying to find a church home, uh, welcome. We're, we're thinking of you praying uh, over you before you arrive today, just praying that God would meet you in, in a supernatural way that's beyond what a band can do, beyond what a greeter can do, uh, what a preacher can do, but that's what God can do, that, what God does. And so just praying that, that he'll meet you right where you're at. If you're watching online, you're driving down the road, um, uh, don't well, look at me. Don't look at me. Just... <laughs> Just listen. Um, no, but if you're sick at home or we've got folks at different parts of the world and country who tune in, we love you guys. We're praying for you. Thankful uh, for the Fathom fam that's all over the place. I'm thankful for it. I really am. Amen. Awesome. I'm excited to kick off week two. I was telling you this week was a little bit different for our family, just trying to get back into the, the school routine this week. But it was cool because I got to, to reconnect with um, some folks I haven't, haven't chatted with in a, a month or two and some, my old roommate from college 15 years ago. We haven't talked in 15 close to 15 years. It was crazy just to reconnect with him. He's over on West Coast time. He's in Santa Monica. And I got to connect with Christina Swihart. Some of you know Christina, who serves on our kids team. And she's in, uh, you know, doing a short-term mission that's been out three months in Peru. So she's doing good. Got to reconnect with her. They're on a different time zone. And then the next day I was connecting with Mark Twine. Many of you know the Twines. They're in Cambodia uh, serving in, as missionaries. Got to connect with them. And they're like 13 hours difference. And so my brain was just hurting, like trying to keep up with time um, for that. And, and I think this time of year, we're, we're all struggling to just manage time, struggling to kind of figure it out. Last week, we kicked off a series called The Best Yes. If you, you missed that, jump back on the podcast or on that live stream so you can watch that and get caught up on what God spoke in that time. But um, I, I got to thinking about this whole time thing. Some of y'all are, are, are used to that because your jobs has you connecting with people in different time zones. For me, I don't, I don't do that all the time, so I was just trying to keep up. But uh, did you know, I learned this like a month or two ago, that all the clocks in the world, every time zone is actually tuned and set to one clock in the whole world. I guess it makes sense, right? That we would all be able to, otherwise we would all just be kind of off a minute or two. You know how your clock at home seems to get off a few just from the seconds. It's, it's one clock in the whole world. Here's a picture of it. It's, uh, it's not what you think. It's not some room in NASA or like some closed off. Do you have that picture uh, back there, Kenny? Throw that up. Yeah, maybe. Awesome. Yeah, there it is. It's not what you think it is. That's the clock. It's not some room back in NASA. It's called the Shepherd's Gate Clock in Greenwich, England. You've probably heard of Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Mean Time. And that's what every clock, every time zone in the world is set to, to that, that clock. That's it. Um, you would think it'd be a little more significant. And that, that, that's it. And it got me thinking, and I just want to share today and talk to us about what it means to trust God in, time, in our time and, and, and maybe a, even a corny 
you know, sermon title would be Trust in Time. <laughs> Trust in Time, like, you know, just in time. See, that's corny preacher stuff. Y'all let it go. Dad joke, nobody laughed at. So cool. <laughs> cool, we'll just keep it moving, keep it moving. Um, but no, I, I just have a lot on my heart because I feel like God's taught me so much about my time. And uh, there, I think there's a lot of things that we need to understand about our time. One is that God operates outside of time. He's not looking at his clock. He's not looking at his watch. He never feels late for anything, even if we think he's late on stuff. He's, he, he understands time in a way in which we don't. He sets, he sets time in motion. He sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. And, um, and he knows that there's a time for everything, a time and a place for everything. And, and so I think we need to understand that first, that God operates outside of our reality of time uh, a few things that I, I want us to make sure we, we grab a hold of this morning is one is that the enemy wants to divide and, and, and break down your family and your life. He wants your life breaking down and falling. Uh, if you look in the scriptures, the thief seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Like he doesn't want you successful. He doesn't want you enjoying your life. He doesn't want you rested. He wants your life falling apart and divided. And, and I'm, I'm not the type of guy, I'm not the type of pastor who's looking for a devil around every corner. I'm not, I'm just not that guy. You guys know I'm not, but, but there is a reality that we have to know and so that we can see what's really going on and what's really at play. The enemy is fighting for your life to, to fall apart. The second thing is that, that God doesn't want your family to just be a statistic. He, he doesn't want your life to just be a statistic, just to blend in with the culture. He, he, he wants you to, to be set apart. He wants you to be set above because he, he wants your, your life to be blessed. He, he genuinely, I'm not going to preach some like blessing, 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 blessing message, but he does. He wants you to live a blessed lifestyle, a blessed mindset, not just uh, um, kind of a struggling mindset, but we walk from blessing. We walk from abundance that God has for us. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life to the fullest, that they might have it abundant and flowing over. And so many of us, we don't live like that. Your family doesn't have to be a statistic. The, the, the third thing is you, is you need margin in your life to be who he's called you to be. Uh, and I'll explain uh, margin like this. Margin doesn't sound very spiritual. The other ones, they, they're like, Pastor, that was spiritual. That was spiritual. Margin does not sound super spiritual, but it's super important because the reality is uh, when we don't have it, um, things are not great in our life. Um, we, we begin to snap. Like this week, if you felt the margin tighten up, it's what it is. It's the distance between where you are and, and where your limits are. And so when we kind of reach and, and the, the margin gets small in our lives, what happens is uh, I'm, I'm quick to snap at my wife. I'm quick to snap at my children. I'm quick to get frustrated or angry. I'm, I'm, uh, and I, I begin to kind of lose my vision for my life. And I cease to be who he's called me to be. And so we've got to get back to understanding this. And, G and Jesus helps us. Jesus helps us in the middle when the margins are tight in our life. And, and I live in a lot of seasons in which the margin's tight, but I've learned so much through those seasons. And hopefully I can just bring some wisdom and encouragement to you today. Uh, any, anybody ever been out to Yosemite National Park? It's like on my bucket list. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, there are one. Awesome. We can, we need to take a road trip. Let's do a road trip to Yosemite. It looks amazing. But you guys know what's out there. It's those giant sequoia trees. Well, uh, a few few years back, one of those sequoia trees went down, and that's not like a tree going down around here. These are like four or five hundred year old trees that are just you know it's the massive ones you've seen the car driving through. 
Well, one of those trees went down, and it kind of sends shockwaves through kind of environmentalists and conservationists, and they begin to just kind of research, like, we got to figure out what happened. They, they looked through. They put a whole team together. It, it wasn't the windstorm. It wasn't a lightning storm. It wasn't insect infestation. And they're like, what happened to this tree? And eventually, they figured it out, and it blew my mind. I'd never thought about something like this, and it took them a long time to figure it out. Foot traffic. Foot traffic took down a giant sequoia because people had trampled around the root system of that tree so much to take pictures and, 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 and smile around the giant tree that it eventually came down. And so they had to figure out, like, what are we going to do? We don't want our other trees falling down. So what did they do? They went and they, got the, they put fences up around these great sequoias, around these key ones in which people like to take pictures. They put fences around them to protect the root system. And what margin is in our life? Margin is a fence around the root system of our life. And it's a root system around the family. It's to keep people off the roots. It's to keep in what needs to be in and to keep out what needs to be out in our life. Because here's what happens when the margin gets smaller. What happens when the margin gets smaller is some things kind of go to the wayside. Our intentional time with God disappears. When the margins there, come on, just think about it in your life. Like this week, like, oh, I had good intentions and our intentional time with God goes to the wayside. What else suffers? Our intentional time with our family. And we just keep telling, oh, the margin's not there. I got to get all these things, all these chores and these work and this stuff done. I'm like, hey, we'll play the game tomorrow night, son. We'll play it, we'll play it next, we'll, we'll go get ice cream next week. And it's just, it's just pushing off our intentional time with our family ends up suffering. And our intentional time to rest suffers as well. So we got to dig in on this idea of margin, and I think we're going to find it. It's far more spiritual than what we, we realized, and, and I think there's a lot of practical wisdom from God's, um, from, from the Word of God that can really speak life into us where we're at, because I think for me, for a long time, I've thought, oh, eventually things will slow down. You ever said that? You know what I've learned, and you've learned too, because you're laughing? It doesn't slow down. What I've had to learn is I got to speed up. <laughs> I got to get smarter. I got to use the wisdom of God's word and lean in and let him guide every step and keep in step with his spirit like we talked about last week. And so uh, I want to jump into Exodus chapter 16. Don't throw it up there yet. I'm, I'm warning the guy. Don't throw it up there yet because you guys know I want to give you a little bit of context of the story that we're going to dive into in Exodus 16. If you were here for our family service uh, a couple of months ago, uh, we did kind of a bite-sized little nugget on this, and I actually want to teach from this text today. But it, it falls in, in history when uh, God has miraculously delivered the people of Israel uh, from 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. 400 years. That means mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, and their grandparents have all been in slavery, all they've ever known is slavery. And you know, the 10 plagues, and God, God delivers them, and he brings them into freedom. Like, they hadn't known this kind of freedom, and, and they start complaining. Like, God has miraculously delivered them, and it didn't take long for the, we just kind of want to go back. You know, we could just eat food whenever we wanted there. We didn't have to trust God then, but God was taking them out of slavery, but the slavery was still inside them, and they just wanted to go back there. So God provides for them in these amazing intentional ways. He, he provides for them with quail at night. And I think a lot of times when we hear of this, the, the God providing by quail, we think that they just all died and they just found a bunch of dead quail. 
No, I kind of picture the kids running around trying to grab the quail and knock them in the head with a piece of, like a stick or something. I mean, come on, you guys get nervous about that. That was their life. They went and they killed what they ate, and God, but God provided. They had to work for it, but it was there right in front of them. They killed it, they knocked it dead, and, and God gave them some savory sustenance to fill their stomach as they slept. And, and the next morning, they wake up, and there's these whitish seeds covering the ground that we know as manna, and there's this whitish seeds, and, and the people would take them, and they'd gather them, and they'd crush them up, and they'd put them kind of in like a, a little cake, like a little rice cake, and they'd, they'd cook them on a rock next to some, you know, a fire, and they'd make these little sweet rice cakes. It actually had a, a flavor of sweetness to it. Isn't it just amazing? God knows exactly what we need. Like, he knows we need something savory to kind of set our stomachs so we can rest well. And in the morning, he knows we just want a little something sweet, a snack to get us going. It was so smart. Like, he knows what he's doing. But the people didn't want that. God was leading them into a season of trust and a lifestyle of trust that they were not accustomed to. Let's read Exodus 16, picking up with verse 16. Uh, and this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone's to gather as much as they need, take an omer for each person uh, you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one's to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. Like, that's a rough morning in the tent to wake up to that. It's like not the great start to Monday there. So uh, Moses was uh, angry with them, and each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed when the sun grew hot, and it melted um, away. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. They thought something was wrong. These people need to chill out. And he said, no, no, this is, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a, a day of Sabbath rest. It's a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever's um, left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning. And as Moses commanded, it, it didn't stink or get maggots in it to eat it today. So Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord, you won't find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it. But on the seventh, the Sabbath, there's not, there's not going to be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, and that is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. You see, these people have been in slavery for a long time, and, and, and God is trying to get them in a lifestyle and a mindset of trusting him. But they've got Egypt in them. They've left the presence of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is very much alive in their hearts. There is still a Pharaoh driving uh, their hearts. So, and I think in, in many ways, God wants to lead us into a mindset, a lifestyle of trust. And often, like them, we push away from it, and then we're surprised when things start to smell and when the maggots show up. Because he wants some margin in our life. He wants some rest in our life. And so I, I want to give you a few things. Maybe we'll start a little bit practical, kind of work our way to some deep rhythms uh, for our life. And just a few thoughts from this I want to share. One, one is we got to practice wisdom in our schedule, I think, is, is something that God has instituted with the Sabbath. Is, 
is to be wise with our time, to be smart. You know, a lot of us, we, we pursue knowledge, and we should pursue knowledge, but, but wisdom is actually what to do with that. It's the experience of walking that out. What good is all the knowledge in the world if you don't have the wisdom to actually know how to apply that knowledge? It's, it's not worth a whole lot. And honestly, I think we're in a society in which people know more than what we've ever known and have less wisdom than they've ever had. And, and part of the church being salt and light is to preserve the godly wisdom. And it, it makes so sense. Like in your job, in your family, like this is our pursuit is I don't want to have my wisdom. I don't want to live by earthly knowledge. I want to I pursue godly wisdom because it's actually, it's deeper and it, than what it meets the moment. It, it understands things that often we, we miss. I think practicing wisdom in our schedule is really about learning what we need to say no to and what we need to say yes to. Because behind every no, there's actually a bigger yes. A few years ago when we had Elisha, her birthday's tomorrow, our our baby girl, and um, when we had her, it was just a changing dynamic. And, you know, as they say, you went from playing man defense to zone defense when there was three of uh, three kids, and, and we were just trying to manage that, and Taryn was feeling a little bit overwhelmed, particularly with what we call the laundry mountain. You guys got laundry mountain in your house. The laundry mountain happens, and uh, the, the laundry mountain was just piling up, and it's a lot. I mean, these the kids that go through, they spit up on stuff and, you know, play out in the yard, and, and so she was getting overwhelmed, and I said, babe, we got we to gotta be smarter about this. You, you're kind of stressing about it, and it was just building anxiety because it was all week just trying to keep up with laundry mountain, and it just grows, and it just grows. And it just grew, and it was just exhausting. I said, "Babe, we got to be smarter about this. We need to use some wisdom here. So let's let's think about this. Let's pick a day or two, and you can say yes to worrying about it on these two days. But you're not going to worry about it 24/7. You're not going to do that. If it gets high, let it get high for five days. But when we hit Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, whatever." We're going to do it, and it's just practical wisdom. I want to read this uh, verse to you here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Check this out. Be careful. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not, not as unwise, but as, as wise, making the best use of your time, or making the use of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be stupid. Don't be unwise. Like, think through it. And, and so many of us, we, we plan more on the next car we're going to buy. We, we plan more on the next vacation than we do our own lives that we live every day. We, we make no planning. We use no wisdom in those things. It's just kind of these pockets of, of our life. And God wants us to make the best use of our time and to think through it and kind of to be wise around those things. Because behind every no, there, there's a yes. We're saying yes to something that's what this whole series is about, saying that the right yeses. Uh, the next thing I, I think I'd, I'd want to share to our hearts is, because I think this is what God's trying to get into to their hearts, is, hey, just to trust me. He's trying to get a mindset of trust and a lifestyle of trust that, frankly, as humans, we're constantly pushing away from. This whole Egyptian mindset is that mindset of the human condition. It's operating in the flesh in which the way we see things, that's what it is when we just trust our hands. And so how do we begin to break that through? How do we discern what God's will is? We, well, we align with God's agenda. We align with God's agenda. I, I don't know about you guys. We have some family and, and their uh, priorities in life, and particularly in the way they handle their time, is, is just a little bit different. Like, for instance, we'll go and we'll say, hey, uh, let's meet somewhere for dinner at 6 o'clock. You guys know this person. Some of you are this person. 
And just good news, if you're one of the people that get late everywhere in eternity, like in heaven, you'll never be late. Just good news. <laughs> so just hang on and endure all this time stuff, you know. But we, we get together and we say, we're going to meet at six. And then, you know, we're there with our, our crew of five and, and uh, uh, they finally show up around 6.45. Well, I've had to entertain three children under the age of eight for 45 minutes. I've had to buy apps that I was not planning on purchasing, you know. Enjoyed them, but still wasn't planning on purchasing. Had to bring out the apps. Yep, let's get an app. Keep them satisfied. But, and they show up around 6.45. I'm like, hey, why don't we just say 6.45 because you left five minutes ago? You live right around the corner. Why do we do this? And I just realized we're, we're on different agendas. We're on different... We're on different priorities in our life, a different focus on time. And the reality is that time looks a little different for all of us, yet it looks all the same too. You know, our seasons of lives and the age of children and the demands of your job and your commute looks different. And so we got to be wise, but that wisdom, we're not going to have godly wisdom if we don't align our lives with God's agenda. I'm not saying they got to get on my page or whatever. I'm just saying we need to do that with God. We need to get on his agenda and what he wants us to do. Because that, that's exactly what God's trying to do um, in Exodus chapter 16. He's trying to get them out of their old mindset, their Egyptian mindset, where they feel like they've got to work around the clock, every day around the clock, just nonstop. We just got to do it because ultimately they're not trusting in God with their time. They don't trust that God can do more when we're resting than what we can do while we're working. We, we actually trust ourselves more than we trust God. And, our, and that is why God put a principle of Sabbath that we're going to talk about here in just a, a few minutes. You know, you, you would like to think that through this time of maggots showing up, people would kind of learn their lesson in this moment, but it was still even a decade or two later, the people are still struggling to trust God. We see in Joshua chapter 24, who he's the leader who follows uh, Moses after Moses' death at the end of Exodus, pick up Joshua chapter one, and, and you know, and, and he's, he's the leader now, and he's going to lead the people into the promised land. And, and Exodus, or excuse me, um, uh, Joshua chapter 24, he's recounting the faithfulness of God. The whole chapter, he's just going on about how God delivered them from slavery. He's remembering what God did. And he brings them to this place in verses 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Make a decision whether the gods of the ancestors serve behind, beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And we, talk, we want unity in our home. We want unity in our marriage. We, we, we want our kids to, to, to um, be able to be obedient and follow. We need to align with God's agenda. We need to align with God's priorities, not, not our own. We don't get, and, and I think the reality is like we've got priorities in our head and our heart and actually the ones we live. And it's just a, it's a, it's just a struggle. Our, our, our work of following Jesus is just the alignment of our life with his. And Jesus said, if you'll, uh, we talked about last week, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else is going to come into place. But we've got to seek him. We've got to seek him first and make a decision for our family. We're, we're gonna, that means everybody moves. Husband moves. Wife moves. Children move. We move to God's priorities for our lives because we trust him. We trust him in the, the Sabbath, and the Sabbath bleeds over into to everything. I would just to speak to some single folks in the room, if you're not married, here today, like the, the scriptures, uh, Paul is so encouraging to your life in this season of your life, if you're single. 
Oftentimes, I feel like in, in culture, specifically church culture, you know, single folks can kind of get, get left in the, uh, the, 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 to the wayside of, of young families and stuff like that, but, but the scriptures are so affirming to your life in this season. Even if it's the season that you have for the rest of your life, God says it is a blessed season, and you have a little more flexibility in your schedule, maybe than some, maybe not, but maybe a little more flexibility, and that should be used to build up the kingdom of God. And to be a blessing for your life, not a burden. And so don't use excuses if you're single in the house. Oh, when, when we're married. When, when we're married, we'll do this and we'll do that. No, no. Just obey God today. Put him first today. Align with his agenda today. And, and let me just speak to parents in the room. Par- parents, if you're, if you're here, from the sound of my voice, I, I want you to hear my heart. Like, it is your responsibility to teach your kids to prioritize God in their lives. Because if you do not, they will find a lot of other gods to worship. And if we really search our hearts and search our lives, we're actually affirming their worship of other gods. And it, it may seem good for a time. Good things do. But last week what we talked about is the best yes has to be able to discern between what's good and what's God. And so my kids are in sports, but sports will never become a god in their life. I care about my kids' education, and they're going to be good in school, but education's never going to be a God in their life. My kids like to play iPad and play video games, but I'm not going to let that be a God in their life. And, and, and for some of us, we, we, we've got to make sure that our kids aren't worshiping other idols. We've got to make sure that we're not worshiping other idols in our life. Are we making the best use of our time? Because the days are evil and they're short and if I've learned anything about the time, that the older I get, the faster it seems to go. We've got to make the most of our time and be wise. And I'll, just, and I'll just go ahead and just soapbox fully in. Let's fully in. Go in. If, if we don't prioritize church, they're probably never going to prioritize Jesus in their life. If they don't think it's... That's just the reality. That's just the reality. And so we want to lead our children in a love of God and a love of people. Like, what are your goals for your life and for your family and for your children, for your marriage? The disciples asked, hey, Jesus, what's most important? Like, what's the top of the priority list? Jesus said this. He said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul strength. The second commandment, the grace commandment, is so it's similar. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Like my goal for my children above every other good thing is that they would love God and they would love people and they would have a, a genuine relationship with Jesus that it flows out of. Nothing more, nothing less. It, it's simple, but in order to, to do that, I got to align my life with God's agenda. Otherwise, I'm going to wake up one day and things are going to stink and there's going to be maggots. I'm like, how do I get here? Oh, wait, wait. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We've got to make a decision. Some couples, we need to go home and have conversations. Some individual singles, we need to make some you know, decisions about our time. Is this aligning with God's agenda or am I worshiping other gods actually through this? God was trying to get them. He already got them out of Egypt. Now he's trying to get Egypt out of them. And some of us need to do the same thing. Our lives look more like the world than they look like the people of God. So take that in love because that's what it's in. That's what it's in. I don't want you waking up one day and things stink and you're waking up in maggots in your tent because I see it every day. I get the calls every day and I'm here to serve. But if we can preventative do that, come on, let's, let's preventative do that by aligning ourselves with God's agenda. 
The last thing here, and Dan, you guys can come and speed me up. Um, did I hear an amen on that? Did I hear an amen on that? No, it's good. Uh, and this one's so personal to me, and it's to embrace uh, rhythms of rest and renewal. Embrace rhythms of rest and renewal. Um, I, I love uh, I love Chick Fil A. I, I love the Holy Bird. Man, I saw I saw they just uh, they just hit number three on the like largest fast food chains behind McDonald's and Starbucks in six days. Third on the list, and they just added mac and cheese, and y'all know they're about to hit first pretty soon. <laughs> mac and cheese gonna put them over the top. That efficiency of, they put more customers through the drive-thru in six days than any other place does, I guarantee you. They do it, you see it. There's two people in McDonald's line and three and four in Starbucks and there's 20 in Chick-fil-A. They, they said, they honestly, I'm not kind of blowing smoke up them looking for a, a sponsorship from Chick-fil-A, but we'll receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> but they've set an example for the church. A business has. And the whole business world looking on, and that's exactly what God wanted for his people. Like, hey, you don't have to work seven days a week. And what's beautiful about this rhythm of rest and renewal and what's beautiful about our God who says take a day off and rest is one, he always practices what he preaches. He modeled it in Genesis 1 on the seventh day he rested. Exodus 16, he commanded it, what we just see. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, he, he blessed it and made it holy. He said, there's something sacred. When you set aside it in your heart, I am trusting God with the next 24 hours. I'm not going to do paid work or unpaid work. I'm just going to rest. Our family's just going to rest. And he fulfilled it in the New Testament. Jesus was healing someone on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees tried to catch him. No, 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 you're not doing that. That's not what the Sabbath is. Jesus said it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Go serve your neighbor, serve your community, serve your church on the Sabbath. Like it's, there's a renewal that takes place in that, but I love how God modeled it. Just a brief few thoughts on, on the Sabbath. One, it's for you. It, it, it's not a restriction to keep you from something. It's to get something for you. When God restricts things, it's for your good. It's for your good. When he, draw line, when he draws lines in his scripture uh, about our time, about our money, about our sexuality, the wisdom, it, it, it's for a purpose. He, he's not trying to keep something from us. He's actually wants something for us. It's for you. Sabbath was made for man, not for the Sabbath. Mark 2, 27. Ultimately, it's a principle of trust. Like, what's the 24-hour period? I can, I can shut it down. I'm, I'm going to trust God with the next 24 hours. I'm going to hustle over the six days. I'm going to move some things around. I'm going to be wise with my time. But that day, I'm, I'm going to shut it down. We're just going to rest and delight myself in the Lord. It's a practice in eternity is what it is. It's a practice in eternity. Come on. Eternal vacation in the presence of God. You come. Somebody's like, I'll work for that. I'm there for that. Like, sign me up. It's holy. God set aside, made it holy, but it's also making us holy. One author said it like this. As we stop working, he's working in us. And some of us haven't had God working in us in a long time because we just won't stop working. We haven't pivoted. We haven't taken a step in our trust of God. We still trust him just like we did 
10 years ago because we haven't stopped long enough to just let him show up. Let him blow your mind with what he's going to do when you just trust him. And God wants that for his people. I want it for you. Because frankly, I've learned this lesson the very, like a very hard way. I was, I was busier when I had zero children than when I am now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm busy now. But I was busier back then because, frankly, I was just a workaholic. Just a workaholic. It's, it's a problem. It would have been a problem for my family if I would have continued on the path I was. There's a lot of deep-rooted heart stuff that God had to do in this and teach me to embrace a rhythm of rest and renewal. Not just the rest, but the renewal. So here's what I've learned on this, just to close. One is rest is a gift from God. It's a gift. I just got to make a choice to receive it and align with his agenda in it. Because it is blessed. Come on, it's blessed. That nap on Sunday afternoon is blessed. You know it is. It's blessed. But I don't just need it one time a week. I need it every day. Like it, it, it is the one day and it's the principle that begins to get into my every day. It, it's, a, it's a discipline of rejuvenation is what one pastor called it. The discipline of rejuvenation. I'm just, I'm going to rest. And for me as a workaholic, you know, sometimes I, at the end of the day, I've just been repeating this phrase. Maybe I've done enough. Maybe that's enough. 12 hours, maybe that's enough today. Go home. That's enough. It's enough because I just want to keep going, keep going, keep gathering more, just like the people of Israel. I'm going to gather a little bit more, gather a little bit more. I just need to trust God, trust God. I found that our, our body, our mind, our soul are all connected. This past week, uh, start of school, and one of our boys, after we had put them down to bed, came rushing in and you know crying to mom, and he had these really negative thoughts about himself that were just running through his head. You're, I don't know if this happens with your kids. Just The enemy just loves to just prey on them when they lay down at the end of the night when they're tired. And he was trying to, and she just asked him, hey, buddy, did, did somebody say that to you? Did somebody call you that? And he, he said, no, nobody said that to me. Did that something mommy and daddy, did we say that somehow to you? And No, 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 it wasn't that. And she just goes, buddy, you're just tired. And it's so funny, when we are tired, we are so susceptible to the lies of the enemy. We're so susceptible. And the reason some of us, we're just living lies and believing lies, because we haven't taken a day off in a long time. And we just need to rest. We need to rest in his plan for our life. I, I, I've not only learned that rest is a gift, I, I've learned that God isn't proud of me for what I do for him. He's proud of me for who I am. That I'm his son. I don't have anything to prove for him. I don't have anything to prove to man. I, I'm, he's proud of me for who I am. I've, I've learned that my blessing isn't tied to how successful I am in your eyes or anybody else's eyes. My blessing in this life is, is how obedient I am to my father and how much I can abide in him. Jesus said, abide in me and, and great things are gonna flow from it. But when you don't abide from me, like it's, nothing good's gonna come out of that. So we got to learn to abide in him through rhythms of rest and renewal. And, and I know some of us, we're going to walk out today and, and we're going to get back into our, our busy lives. And busy looks different for everybody. And, and I think in some circles, busy is a four-letter word. And, and sometimes it is. Um, it needs to be in our life. We need to, to, to um, watch ourselves in that. But sometimes busy is just the reality for someone who's living a life of purpose.
Like sometimes, like some seasons there's just a tight margin. Other seasons there's a larger margin. But I got to build a fence around my time. I got to build a fence around my intentional time with God to make sure that stays in. I got to build an intentional time around my family so that that's there. That's a priority. I got to build intentional time for rest so that stays there. I don't, I don't know where you're, you're at today. I don't know if you're on the edge of burnout or, frankly, you're just a little bit disinterested in life kind of needing something to sink your teeth into, kind of bored. Sometimes we have issues staying focused because we're just bored. I don't know where you're at this morning, but, but I, I know this, is that if, if our doing outpaces our being, we're going to burn out. If our belief in what we can accomplish while we are working is greater than what God can accomplish while we're not working, you're going to burn out because you actually think you're carrying the load. And, and ultimately, if you don't slow down to rest, if we don't slow down to rest, we're going to burn out. It's not just rest, it's renewal. It's being in his word, finding our life there. And so I don't, I don't know what next steps are for you today. It's kind of a practical message on our time. But I can just, I know we're there. I know we're in this season of maybe a transition, having to discover how do, how do we use our time. But my prayer for us is that, that we live as wise, not as unwise. And we make the most of every opportunity. We make the most of the time we do have. We are faithful with it. And you have some conversations. Of where's the fence at in our life? Where are we going to put the fence around our time with God? Where are we going to put a fence around time with our family? Where's the fence? Where's the margin for our time with rest? I believe if you do this, it's going to be a game changer for some of your lives. Just to talk, where's my fence? Where's my fence? If not, we're going to wake up with maggots one day. The tree's going to come down. It's like, how do we get here? How do we get here? I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you if that's okay. I, I know some of you watching online, some of you listening, driving down the road, some of you in the room, you, like me, could self-confess and say, Pastor, I'm a workaholic. I know I am. I don't know what I'm trying to prove to anybody. And it's a problem. And I'm, and I'm, t- I'm tired I want to pray for you. If you're a mom, a dad, a single adult right now who's just trying to manage your time and like, I just need the wisdom of God, you know, to just help me know where to build a fence to do this. I want to to pray for you. Can, Can I pray for you this morning? Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you that you model for us those things that you call us to that you never tell us to do anything that you've not done and performed yourself and shown us the way and what a good God you are in that. I, I thank you, God, that you restrict us and you hold us back and you keep us from ourselves. You keep us from, from running lives of, of greed and selfishness. You keep us from lives of, um, of, of trampling on the roots of our own foundation, of our own family, God. But, but I pray right now for some workaholics, God, who they've left Pharaoh, God, but Pharaoh has not left them. I pray right now for just a breaking in the spiritual atmosphere, God, of their hearts, that we just surrender, God. I'm not performing for anybody. I'm just living for you. I'm just serving you, God. I pray right now for the people in the room that, God, things are, that there's not a lot of margin, God, and we just need wisdom this week as we walk every step, every day. We just need your wisdom to guide us, God, to put fences around those areas we need to put fences around, God, so that we don't show up one day with a house that stinks, with a life that's full of maggots, 
and a tree that's come down and we can't figure it out, God. Help us to, to understand and to trust you in our time. That's all you want, God. You, you've got a life of blessing for us, of overflow, of joy, God. Would you restore joy in every person's heart, God, as we trust in you? Would we just come back to delighting ourselves in you? Once again, in Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Pray we walk in this and God leads us in this. There's gonna be some folks at the crosses. If you just want specific prayer, maybe some things pressing in your life, they'd love to just encourage you and come together. But let's worship together over God's faith.